Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, we are in an exciting season as a church. I mean, what God is doing and what he has been doing is exceptional. A year ago, last January, I spoke a message as we started the year entitled New Normal. In that, we talked about what the Lord wanted to do, and we kicked off the year, and and it was exceptional in every way. And then this thing called COVID hit. And what we thought was, I remember thinking when, when we had to close down for 14 weeks, you're just thinking, wow, this is not the new normal I'd imagined. And then we watched as God built the church. As the church advanced, as the church grew, as the church ministered in the community, as God opened doors and and just continued to do what I would have thought was impossible. And we have watched as the Lord has gone before us, as even the gates of hell or COVID have not been able to stop the church that Jesus is building. It's been so exciting to watch. And as we came back and started meeting, you've just sensed this this strength and and this vitality in the church, and the prayer meetings have been exceptional. And then uh, last Wednesday night, I mean, honestly, in 30 years, I've I've not seen so many people healed in one night. In the history of James River, I've never seen anything like it. So it was amazing to watch it. So many stories uh, keep coming in, and and I would love to take time to tell you, but we're going to be sharing some of the stories, just really uh, amazing stories. A 16-year-old girl prayed for a a, a woman who had been, who lost her hearing 11 years ago completely in one ear. Instantly, that lady was healed. And and then uh, one of the construction workers who's been working on the building here and just started coming and is from a background where this kind of thing would not be, would not be part of what he had known about. He happened to be beside somebody who uh, he, he prayed for because we're, they were instructed to just everybody pray for the person who has their hand up. This person had uh, tinnitus uh, in their ears, a ringing in their ears for over 10 years. Instantly it stopped and they were healed. I mean, it's just story after story. I could, you know, one of, the, one of our admin assistants was in the back uh, area getting ready for the refreshments afterwards and, and as something was said and called out about, about her legs. She said, it described what I was going through exactly and had been for several years. The gals uh, are there gathered around her, prayed for her. Instantly, she was healed. In fact, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, there she is right there on the front row. So Brenda, so, um, you know, it's just so awesome to see God working in such power. I think it's interesting that as we come out of COVID, we're still talking about a new normal. Not just talking about it, but we're seeing it. We're watching God do things in so many different ways in the church where he's building the church. He's strengthening the church. I mean, a few weeks ago, we, we presented the missions and, and the, the faith promise total was nearly $11 million that you're believing God to give the missions. I mean, that's historic for the church like never before. So many areas where we're seeing a passion for God and we're seeing a strength and and the gospel is advancing. 
And so as the book comes out and as we enter this series today, we're starting a new series called A New Normal. And it's a look at the book of Joshua because just as God was using Joshua to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land, which would usher in, in, in a big way, a new normal in their life, a new experience of God's blessing. God is leading us and God is doing that in the church here. Here's the thing as a pastor, though, that I've witnessed through the years. I've watched people who visit the land of blessing, they just don't live there. I've watched people who go in and out, who think that somehow they can't stay there. It's only for certain people. It might be for somebody else, but not for them. But the fact of the matter is, God wants us as a church, and God wants us as individuals, not just to visit the land of blessing, but to live there. But living in the land of blessing is not automatic. It's not accidental. It's not something that just happens. God could want that for your life. God could want that for this church. But if it will happen or if it won't, in a large part, depends not just on his will or his willingness, but on our responsiveness. That's why I wrote the book. That's why we're going in this study. So that you and I can learn the things that are essential, that are necessary to living in a new normal. I'm praying that every single one of us, people watching online, that you will be led by the Lord into a new normal of a greater experience of God's presence, God's working, God's power, God's leading, and intimacy with God like you've never known before. At the end of this series, you'll be different in Jesus' name than you've ever been in your life. That it'll be a new normal. So the title of the message today as we start this journey is Strength Training. Strength Training. A few years ago, as I was getting close to 50, I began to think, wouldn't it be awesome if I could, at 50, be in the best physical condition of my life? At the time, I was working out at the fitness center, and my regimen was was pretty uh, cushy. I mean, I would just get on the exercise bike, and I would read off my iPad, and then I'd watch all the people down on the gym floor, and they were doing a, a boot camp class called Driven. And they'd be doing bear crawls and floor sweepers and push-ups and, and running back and forth and running laps around. And, and they would holler out at me and say, hey, pastor, you ought to come down. And I, I was thinking, you know, I'm not that stupid. I'm not, I'm not going to go down there. <laughs> but they kept egging me on, and there's something inside of me that's competitive. <laughs> and I wasn't going to do it until somebody said I couldn't do it. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, I began to think, you know, I ought to give this a try. I'm going to do this. So in June, the first week of June, I, I decided I would start it. He said, how do you know it's June? Because it's the week of our anniversary. And I went to the Driven class my very first time on the same day that I was going to take Debbie down to Branson to celebrate her anniversary. <laughs> you know where this is headed. <laughs> 
so I get out there, you know, I mean, I am, I'm, I'm the last one in the whole pack. It's like, they went that away, you know, and I'm, you know, so I'm behind and, and I'm trying to do it all and I get done and I'm like, hey, I survived. And we, we you know, later in the day, we jump in the car, we go down to Branson and we're, we're walking around on the landing and all of a sudden it hits. And I mean, my hamstrings, they froze up. They were so tight, you could play the Orange Blossom special on it. I mean, and so all of a sudden, I'm walking on the landing, and I'm walking like this. And we get, you know, there's the stairs on the landing, and we're going to go up the stairs. And it dawns on me, I can't go up the stairs. I mean, I'm trying to, trying to, but they're, they're not having it, so I'm looking for the ramp, so I'm walking over to the ramp, and I'm, I'm going like, I'm thinking, how am I going to get on the platform? Because that's a Friday. I'm thinking, how am I going to get on the platform on Sunday? Because I can't even, so, you know, it was part of strength training. I mean, for the next several weeks, I, I ate Advil like they were peanuts. I mean, I was just, I was just, that was my friend was Advil. But eventually, what happened is I got in the best shape of my life. And that strength enabled me to do some things I could have never done otherwise. I got invited to go to climb Kilimanjaro and, and um, you know, we're going over there and going with World Serve and, and the president is sitting across from me on the airplane and it just so happens there's this, there's this video, one of, the, one of the films is climbing Kilimanjaro with these celebrities and, and it shows them, it chronicles them going up the mountain. I mean, you get up, you get up, you know, 16,000 feet, 17,000 feet in oxygen, thin air and your body is, is working it and these celebrities are crazy crying and they're they're like and I turn to the president and I say is that what it's like and he's like yeah pretty much and I said well, why didn't you tell me that and he's like I knew you wouldn't go so anyway, but I get there, but I'm in such shape. I mean, I go up, I come down the next year. I go up, I, I climb Rainier, Mount Rainier, and, and come down. I mean, I can, and I'd been on sabbatical like six weeks, hadn't been working out at all, but I was still in such, it was such strength that I could do a lot of things. There'd have been no other way I could have done them. My strength made it possible for me to experience things I couldn't have experienced any other way. That's what a new normal is about. It's about you and I being strong in the Lord and in the might of his strength, which is what Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. He says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I mean, Paul knows we've got to be strong. A new normal is about being strong. That's where it starts. Is everybody in this room strong, as strong as they could be? Is everybody in this strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might? Everybody in this room? No, there's a continuum in this room. There's a continuum watching at the other campuses online where some are just getting started. And that's okay. Others have been in it a long time. You're very strong. And then there's others, and you've been in it a long time. You're not strong at all. There's some you're hanging by a thread. What God wants for you, what God wants for all of us, what God wants for us as a church is to be strong in him. 
Did you come to the book of Joshua? The Lord knows that in order to enter a new normal, the people are going to have to be strong. And if the people are going to be strong, then that's going to start with one individual in particular. That's Joshua. If the people are going to be strong, Joshua, if he's going to lead them, is going to need to be strong. What's interesting, in the lead up to the book of Joshua, you get the idea that the Lord is really having to encourage him. Listen, Joshua, you're going to need to be strong. Look at it in Deuteronomy 31, verse 7. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong. Moses is saying, Joshua, God wants to use you. Joshua, God has a new normal for you. Joshua, there's things you're going to do that nobody's done before. But if that's going to happen, Joshua, you're going to have to be strong. You read later in verse 17 or 23, it says it again. And the Lord commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, so now Moses says it, but now God says it. Joshua, I want to do something exceptional through you. I want to do something no one's ever seen before. I want to, I want to use you in a way you've never been used before. But Joshua, if that's going to happen, even though I'm willing and it's my will, unless you're strong, it isn't going to happen. See, believers make a, a big mistake when they say, well, you know, if the Lord wants to do it, it's just going to happen. Not so. God's will is not always done. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but people do. There are things that are in the will of God that unless you and I cooperate with him, we will never see. We'll never experience. This is Joshua. God is saying, listen, Joshua, I've got something for you, but there, there's something you're going to have to commit to. You're going to have to be strong. As you come then to the book of Joshua, chapter 1, you see this echoed again and again. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. Only be strong. Here's the Lord saying it again. He's already said it to him, but he's saying it again. What does that tell you? He's concerned that Joshua really commit himself to it. He's reminding Joshua, listen, this isn't automatic. This isn't something that just happens randomly. You you got to be strong. I want to do something, Joshua, but I need you to participate with me. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong. In other words, this is a command from the Lord. I think this is really important for every. God's command to you is be strong in him. Yeah. Are you strong? If not, he's saying, listen, get strong. Be strong. Be a strong believer. Be full on. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. In fact, God says it so much to Joshua that by the time you get to the end of the chapter, the people are saying it. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we obey you. Only be strong. So six times Joshua is challenged to be strong. And here's why. Because if he's not strong, it'll affect the nation. And there's a lesson for all of us in that. If you're not strong, the people around you lose. Yeah. 
Listen, if I'm not strong, you lose. If I'm not strong, Debbie loses. If I'm not strong, my kids lose. If I'm not strong, my grandkids lose. If I'm not strong, people I come in contact with, they lose. They experience less of God than they would have otherwise. We have to be strong. So the real question is, what do we do to get strong? And how is it that Joshua will develop that strength in the Lord? Let me give you five exercises, five principles for developing spiritual strength. Principle number one, leave the past behind. Leave the past behind. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. It's interesting. Joshua knows that, but God's got to remind him. Listen, Joshua, Moses was good. Moses was great. Moses led a life of impact. He had a great track record. But Joshua, Moses is not here anymore. So don't sit there and keep wishing for Moses to come back because he is not coming back. He's gone. He's had his day. It's a new day. Some of us will struggle to get into a new normal because we're too tied to Moses. Moses was great, but listen, Moses was yesterday. And if we're going to know a new normal in our life, you got to leave yesterday behind. Some people honestly are too tied. Some churches are too tied to yesterday to have a new normal. How many times have you seen a church where God did something great in the past, but they can't let go. They can't move forward. They're always remembering what was. Praise God for what was, but only use it as a way to anticipate his goodness in the future. Paul said this, forgetting what is behind. You got to let go of some things. You got to forget the past. You got to forget the good things. Hey, praise God for every miracle he's done. But you can't live in the past. You can't, you can't be one of those people who says, well, I remember when it was this, and I remember when it was that. And I was, well, praise God for that. But God's got more, right? If Joshua sits there and all he thinks about is what happened in the past, and he's not looking forward to what God's going to do in the future, it's doubtful that he'll be able to lead people into a new normal. You got to let go of the good things. You got to let go of the bad things. So you failed. So you were less than you should have been. So you made a bad decision. So that wasn't good. So people got, listen, you got to let go. You do your best to make it right, then you go forward. You got to move on. You got to let go of the hurt. You got to let go of the pain. You got to let go of the discouragement. So it didn't work out in that situation the way you thought. You got to move on. You can't sit there and continue to do an autopsy of something that went wrong and something where there was, was a problem and you're constantly diagnosing and living with it while you're missing all that God would want to do in the future. If you spend all your time living in yesterday, you're going to miss out on what God wants to do today and tomorrow. 
Listen, everybody who came here today, you got a rearview mirror and you had a windshield. The rearview mirror is you're pulling out of your parking space. You're looking in the rearview mirror because you got to see what's behind you so you don't hit somebody. But if you're continually looking in the rearview mirror, I can tell you which direction you're going. You're going backwards. If you're constantly looking behind you, you're going backwards. The windshield, on the other hand, is a much bigger piece of glass. Why? Because where you're going is a lot bigger than where you've been. And it's so much more important. And it's so much more exciting. Listen, if Satan can keep you looking back, he can keep you from moving into a new normal. Joshua has to let go. Joshua has to say, the past was great. And I'm grateful for what God did. But God has bigger miracles he's going to do. I mean, the Jordan's going to part. The sun's going to stand still. God's going to do some amazing things in this new normal that nobody's ever seen. But it's not going to happen unless Joshua gets strong by forgetting the past. Principle number two. You get stronger by moving toward the new normal. By moving toward, look at it, verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people into the land I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. I want you to think about this for just a moment. God is telling him to arise and go, but the very first obstacle he's going to face is a garrison city, a fortress city that was, was massive, that was set up by the Canaanites to guard the entrance to that whole land. As well, Joshua knows this from the Lord himself. This is not Joshua's opinion. It's not the people's opinion. It's God stating the facts. He's saying, I'm giving you a land that is occupied by seven nations stronger and more powerful than you are. But God is telling him, go. God's not telling him how to get there. God's not telling him, hey, guess what? I want you to go. And so the first thing I'm going to do is when the priests put their foot in the water, the waters, he hasn't told him that. The Jordan is at flood stage. God is telling him to go. And, and Joshua knows the minute he gets on the other side of the Jordan, he's going to be facing the armies of the Canaanites that are garrisoned at Jericho that are there to protect the land from invasion. And Jer Jericho has walls that reach up to the sky. And Joshua does doesn't even have a plan for how he's going to get in there, how he's going to attack that. And God isn't telling him, hey, I got a great plan. Uh, you're going to march around the city and you're going to do it several times. You're going to shout. The walls are going to. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't know any of that. This, this really literally picks up where we left off from last week in our message on epic faith from Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Now, let me give you a, a principle on this that will help you. When God is leading, you will go to a place spiritually before you experience it physically. When God is leading, he's going to make it real to you inside before you actually experience it on the outside. 
This is how God works. It's how God leads. You will sense it in your heart spiritually before you experience the reality of it in your life physically. He will speak to your heart. And it will become real to your heart in a way it isn't yet real to your mind. This is why your heart can receive things your mind is not ready for or cannot comprehend. You have to be okay with that. There's a lot of people who what they want to do is they want to say, no, until my mind understands it and I know how it's going to work and the way God's going to work it, then I'll do it. That's not how faith works. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. It was real to his heart, even though he didn't know where it was or how he was going to get there or what it involved in his mind. Are you with me? This is what God is saying to Joshua in verse 2. He is saying to him, arise and go over this Jordan. How's he going to get there? He doesn't know. But what has to happen is you have to have this confidence that you're hearing from God. You have to learn to hear the voice of God. Yeah, that's right. You have to to begin to understand that the voice of God will work in you His will. Now, you can get the voice of God by reading the Word of God, to be sure. But let me just let me just give you a a thought on something. The Bible says this faith comes from hearing and hearing from what the word of God. Here's what a lot of people interpret that as saying faith comes from hearing the word of God. That's not what it says. Faith comes from hearing. Where does hearing come from? The Word of God. So as I'm in the Word of God, as I'm living in the Word of God, then what happens is that tunes my spirit to the presence of God, to the voice of God, and to the will of God in my life. And when God speaks to my life, it ignites faith. Let me give you an example. So we're at the Evangelical Free Church back in 1995. The church is growing. Um, 1996, the counties told us at the end of 95, you cannot expand at that location. You're going to need to find new land. And so we start looking for possibilities. We, we find seven pieces of ground. We go to five of the owners. We ask one of them was the people who owned this land. We ask them if they'd sell to us. They'll say no. So at that point, as I'm praying about it, I'm filling in my heart, this is the land we're supposed to have. We've been told that developers, Walmart, everybody's tried to buy the ground. Family's not selling it. They've owned it since the Civil War. So I feel it's supposed, the, the ground we're supposed to have. I feel it in my heart, but in my mind, it, I can't see how we could afford it. I can't see how we could get it because they're not selling it. But I start moving toward the will of God as I sense it in my heart. Did God tell me to go do what I was doing? I, I can only say I felt like I should do it. I believe it was the, will of, it was the leading of the Lord. This is the way it works. He, he, guides, he guides your steps. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll do what? He'll direct your path. So I say to Debbie, let's go meet the lady who owns the land. She's in her 80s. Let's go meet her. So we call her, set up an appointment to go out to her house. She lives in Ozark and, and um, we sit on her porch and we have tea. And so Debbie and her, then we're talking and she, she says after a bit, she says, I know why you're here. I know you're here because you want to buy the land. My family's owned it since the Civil War. And listen, I'm not selling it. Uh, when my husband passed away, I just said, I don't want to sell it. When I pass away, the kids can do what they want with it, but it's not for sale. And I said, well, you know, I mean, I understood that, but we wanted to uh, just come talk to you and tell you a little bit about the church. So we began to tell her about the church, tell her what God was doing in the church, and, and tell her how awesome that land would be for the church. But she says, you know, I'm sorry, again, I'm not, I'm not willing to sell. So we get in the car, we're driving down 3rd Street. I can remember it like it was yesterday. Debbie says to me, she says, well, now what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to call a three-day fast. So in 1996, February, we called a three-day fast for this land, for the family to sell us land. Because, why, why would we do that? Because I believed it to be the will of God, because God had put it in her heart. It was obvious to my heart. It wasn't, it wasn't clear in my mind how it would happen. So the people fast. They pray. Two weeks later... The lady's daughter calls, and she says, Pastor Lindell, uh, I'm just calling to see if, if you want the land. I said, well, your, your mother said it's not for sale. She said, that's not what I said. She said, I'm asking, do you want to buy the land? I said, yes. She said, well, it's for sale to you and no one else. I'm simply saying God speaks to your heart, and then it becomes physically possible. Now, here's the thing that I think all of us have to understand relative to a new normal. God will only let you have what he's given you that you lay claim to. Okay, again, I'm trying to dispel this idea that if it's God's will, it happens. That's not true. Some things happen, but a lot of things that are God's will don't happen because people were disobedient. Was it, what was God's will for the nation of Israel? God's will was that they would leave Egypt, they'd make a 30-day journey to the promised land. They spent 40 years in the desert. Was that God's will? No. No, it wasn't. It was a result of their disobedience. If Joshua, Joshua and the people of Israel can know a new normal is God's will, but unless they cross the river and pick up a shield and a spear, it's not happening. Unless they trust God enough to put their foot in the water of the flooding Jordan, believing it's going to part, it's not going to happen. In other words, there has to be a place where we say, I so believe something is the will of God, I'm going to begin moving towards it, walking towards it, believing that all of the things that are impossibilities in, in that situation or circumstance, that God, if necessary, will part a swollen river, will crash the walls of a, of a city, or God will rain down hail and stop the sun from setting for a whole day if he has to, to make his will possible, as long as I am walking in his will. This is, this is where it's a supernatural journey. You have to understand this. When we're talking about a new normal, we're talking about you and I moving into a new experience of God's presence and God's power on our lives in a way that takes us where we could never go on our own. 
Number three. Third strength lesson. Listen for God's promises. Now here's, here's Joshua and God, they're on the, Joshua has seen the land, by the way. Joshua, remember, is one of the 12 spies in Numbers chapter 13, and Moses sent them out to spy out the land, and 10 of them brought back a bad report and instantly died within a day before the Lord. But Caleb and Joshua, they believed they could take the land. So here's Joshua, he's seen the land, but now God's saying, I'm giving you the land. And Joshua, no doubt, has to be wondering, well, what part of the land is ours? I mean, there's seven nations there, we're one nation, do we get it all? Is it all ours? Look at it in verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you just as I promised to Moses. And I mean, here's the thing you have, to, you have to be thinking. Joshua, because of all of the be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, there is, there is this sense, no doubt, in Joshua's mind, I'm not Moses. And think of how you would feel if you were succeeding Moses. I mean, so Joshua, he goes to the tent of meeting with Moses, but when Moses comes out of the tent of meeting, his face glows so much they've got to put a, a cloak, a veil over his face. Joshua could be saying, you know, God, I mean, hey, it's, it's really great. You're giving us the land, and, but I'm not Moses. I'm, I'm at the tent of meeting, and my face doesn't glow like his. Joshua could be thinking, you know, Moses had this staff, and he stretches it out over the Red Sea, the sea parts. He strikes a rock, and water for two million people flows out of this rock. A, a gusher of water comes out. God, I, I, I don't use a staff. I'm, I'm not a shepherd. I, I use a sword. That's what I know how to do. He could have been thinking, you know, God, I'm, I'm not a Levite. I'm not from the tribe of Levi, the priestly tribe. And, and really, Moses was. And so Moses could give orders to the priests, and they listened to him, and they followed him. And Moses himself could go in the, the tabernacle. Only the, the Levitical priest could go in there, and Moses could go in there, and Joshua can't go in there. And so the whole thing is like, I'm not. I'm not anything Moses is. And what happens is the enemy, in order to keep you from going in a new normal, what he wants you to do is start comparing yourself with people you know who are better than you in your eyes. They're more, oh, I can see how God would do this for them. I can see how God would do that for them. I can see. And what happens is the enemy loves it because all the while you're building them up, you're tearing yourself down, and he wants you not to feel strong and courageous. He wants you to feel weak and discouraged. That's what he wants. And comparison does that every time. So what's the antidote to those feelings of personal insecurity. Here it is. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given you. What is that? That is a promise. That's a promise. And Joshua may be thinking, every place, I mean, how big a land are we talking about? Look at it. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all of the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. Joshua, listen, I'm making you a promise. Wherever you put your foot, that land is going to be yours. Here's what Joshua does. I believe this. He is putting the promises to work. He 
he's living in the promises. He's like, that's mine. That's mine. That's mine. He's, you know, he's, he's starting to say, everywhere I put my foot, the land is mine. I'm going to put my foot everywhere. And you look, you watch the conquest of the land. The dude is everywhere. Why is he everywhere? Because of this promise. He's living in the promise. He's, 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 putting, he's, he's putting the promise to work for him. When you move to a new normal, God always incentivizes us with promises. He'll speak to your heart. He'll give you a promise. He'll speak to your heart. He'll give you, and I believe he gives you many promises. He speaks to you, gives you a promise, gives you a promise, gives you a promise. It's how God works. But what you have to do is not say, well, is that really me or is that, is that really God or is that? Listen, you get, you get the promise from the Lord and you begin to live in it. You begin to feed on it. You begin to think about it. You begin to make it real. You begin to say it. You begin to talk about it. You begin to express it. You begin to say it. You begin to recite it to yourself over and over and over again until finally the promise becomes so real. It's as if you are living in the very promise itself. This is, this is how the life of faith is lived. God speaks to you. It could be a scripture verse. I love it when it is. That's awesome. It could be the Lord speaking to your, to your heart. Like last time, uh, when in, back in August, when, when I had cancer, um, you know, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, do not be afraid. I will be with you and I will help you. And I said that so much to myself. I kept reminding myself. I kept that pretty soon I was experiencing his help in a way I never imagined. If you remember, I, I had such joy. It was such an amazing, the promise became real. If we're going to be strong, we have to listen for God's promises and then live in them. Number four, learn and act according to the word. Learn and act according to the word, Joshua 1, 7. Only be strong and courageous, being careful to do according to all the law. Uh, now, let me just pause long enough to say this relative to your obedience and your consideration of faithfulness to the word of God. It's very easy to become selective, to say, well, you know, I feel comfortable doing this, but I don't feel comfortable doing that. For example, and I'll just use tithing. So people can say, well, you know, I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. What you're saying is I'm not going to do all of it. I'm going to do part of it. I'm going to do the parts I like. I'm going to do the parts I feel comfortable with. You know, raising your hands. I'm, you know, the Bible says lift your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. And you're saying, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not comfortable with that. So your, your God is comfort. It's your God is really two gods. It's you and comfort. You do what makes you comfortable. So that's that's what you obey. That's who you obey. You obey your level of comfort and you obey yourself. In either way, you're not obeying God. I don't want to be unkind, but I, I'm not here to baby you. I mean, honestly, I love you, but I'm here to tell you the truth, and I'm here to tell you how I, I want everybody to go into a new normal. Everybody in this room, starting with me, does well to say, God, I'm completely in. 
I'm just completely in. I'm not going to sort through selectively what parts of the Bible I'm going to follow. I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to do it. You say do it, I'm going to do it. I mean, for, for some, it's baptism. You're, you're like, well, you know, I don't know. And you're, you make a bunch of excuses for, for not being baptized. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, that's a basic thing. I, I, again, I love you. I'm glad you're here. I want to see you grow in God. But you do yourself a big favor if you'd cross the Rubicon of saying, whatever he asks, I'm going to do, period. So if he asks me to be baptized, I don't care. If I don't want people to see me wet, I don't care. I'm going to go get baptized. I want to be right with God. I want to, I want to walk with God. I want to know God. I want a new normal. Listen, a new normal comes to people who say yes before they know what God is asking. You say that's unreasonable. Only if you don't know God. It's never unreasonable to say yes to a God who loves you more than you can imagine and is good and does good. It's never unreasonable to say yes to him. If you'll give him your yes before you know what he's asking, you will find yourself moving into a new normal. I mean, this is, this is Joshua. I mean, this is so interesting. Be careful to do all the law. Do not turn from the right hand or the left. In other words, don't, don't say, well, you know what? I'm not sure I really want to do that, so I'm going to go over here, and then, okay, now I'm going to get back on the path, and now you hit another, I'm not sure I want to do that, I'm going to go over here, and you're sidestepping the Word of God. You're turning from the right and the left because you're sidestepping the certain things you like or you don't like, and the fact of the matter is a new normal is impossible for you. Yeah. On the other hand, when you say, you know what, I'm not going to veer off. I'm not going to, I'm going to trust in the Lord, Proverbs chapter 3, with all my heart. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. In all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge him and he'll direct my path. That's what we're talking about. Do not turn to the right hand or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will, have, you, you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Now, there's three things relative to the Word of God I want you to notice here. Um, the first one is that you and I are to use our mouth to speak the word of God. Notice it says in verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. It won't depart from your mouth. Second, it says meditate. That's to think on God's word. Look at it again in verse 8. You shall meditate on it day and night. So that word meditate in the Hebrew is, is translated generally as murmur or mumble. So that you're mumbling. What it, the idea is you're constantly saying it under your breath. It's so much a part of you. you so, so you read something, and rather than forgetting what you read, you think about it, you meditate on it, you say it, you memorize it, you quote it, you, you know, God makes a passage of scripture real to you, and all of a sudden you're living in it, you're feeding on it, you're, you're embracing it in your life, you're meditating on it. And then third, a mindset committed to do all God's word says. 
And when you put those three together, watch what happens in verse 7, that you may have good success. God cares about your success. But he wants it to be good success. So a lot of people who are successful, it's just not good for them or for their family. You can have a material success that crushes you, that corrupts you, that ruins you, that sidetracks you. So what if you have all the money in the world? So what if you're, you're at the top of your career, but you're distant from God? On the other hand, if you're walking close to God, you're going to have good success. He's going he's to bless your life, but you're going to have the kind of success that blesses others, and he'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Now, fifth and finally, walk in God's presence. Look at it, verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Here it is again. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. What does that tell you? He is frightened. What does that tell you? He's probably discouraged because Moses isn't there anymore and he'd relied a lot on Moses. What does that tell you? He probably thought, God, I just don't know if I'm strong enough to do this. God loves using weak people. One guy said, I can't remember who it is, all God's giants, I think it's Hudson Taylor, all God's giants have been weak men. They felt they were in over their head. Listen, let me tell you this. The life of faith is lived at the deep end of the pool. If you don't feel what God is asking you to do is above you and your pay grade, if you don't have that sense that unless he helps you, you can't get it done, then you don't really understand what's, what it's, what's at stake, and you may not be hearing from God at all. If you think you're up to the task, you completely have misread the whole situation, starting with your own ability. God loves to take ordinary people and do extraordinary things with them. That's what a new normal is. Joshua is an ordinary guy. That's why God's having to say, come on, Joshua, be strong. I can make you strong. Be courageous. Don't get discouraged. Have courage. Have heart. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Joshua, I have some wild victories for you. You're not going to be defeated. You're going to win. You're, gonna, you're not going to be defeated. You're going to be a conqueror. And do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Listen, do, do you know what the determinative factor is in every situation of life between success and failure, between victory and defeat? It's the presence of God. If God is with you, who can be against you? God's for you. Who can stand against you? And when we walk in a sensitivity to God's presence, and this is really what a new normal is, at its core, it's a closer, deeper, more intimate, more connected walk with God than you've ever known before. 
And it's impossible to have a new normal without an intimacy with God. It's impossible. We're talking about God taking you. This is what's so exciting about this. We're talking about God drawing you closer to him than you've ever been. Your heart being on fire for him like never before. Your experience of his presence being like you've never known before. That's what a new normal is. And and here's the thing. Nobody has cornered the market on the presence of God. Nobody can ever say, you know, I've had it all. I've experienced it all. I've done it all. No. You go from glory to glory to glory to glory. There's always going to be more. God's got more for you no matter where you've gone no matter where you've been no matter what you've done God's got more for you and if you're just getting started God has more every single one of us God wants to take us on a journey and he wants to walk close to you and he wants to guide you and he wants to direct you and he wants to bless you and he wants to use you and he wants to work through you to the blessing of others and he wants to declare his power in you and through you to a watching world wants to do all of that but that will only happen if you and I desire his presence and we say I want all that you have for me and I want to walk closer to you than I ever have and that for Joshua how's he going to be strong be strong how get really close to God that's what God wants for you listen a new normal awaits everybody in this room. Everybody. I can't wait. How about you?